If you could ask Jesus one question, what would you ask him? I mean, what would you want to know with the one question that you had for Jesus? Would it be a question maybe about science or politics or culture? Would your question maybe be about religion or history or philosophy? Would the question that you have, maybe it would be much more personal in nature. Would it be something about maybe family or your marriage or something to do with kids? Or would your question be something about your past? Maybe something going on in your present or something that you're looking forward to in your future? Or would your question have something to do with direction or your career or finances? Or would your question for Jesus be something to do with doubts or fears or anxieties or maybe some discouragements that you have? There are so many questions that you could ask Jesus, but what would be your question? What would you really want to know if you could ask Jesus a question? I'm guessing we'd all have lots of questions that we would want to ask Jesus, so it's kind of hard to narrow it down to just one question for Him. I think whether you would identify yourself this morning as religious or irreligious or a skeptic or a seeker or a Christian or a Buddhist or a Muslim or an agnostic or atheist, no matter how you identify yourself, I believe that all people, if given the opportunity to ask Jesus a question, they would have a question for Him. Now, why is this? There was a, a study done recently seeking to discover who is the most influential person in all of human history. And here were their findings. Here's the top 10. Number 10, Thomas Jefferson. Number 9, Alexander the Great. Number 8, Aristotle. Hitler came in at 7th. George Washington, 6th. Abraham Lincoln in 5th. Shakespeare at fourth, Muhammad the prophet third, Napoleon number two. Anyone want to take a guess at who the most influential person in human history is? Is Jesus. He came in at number one. I think the one reason we'd all want to ask Jesus a question is this reason. There is no one more important in all of human history than Jesus. There is no one more important in all of human history than Jesus. His birth, His life, His death, His resurrection, His teachings, His miracles, the claims that He made about who He was and the claims that He said what He was going to do and accomplish. There is so much about Jesus that stirs questions within each of our hearts and minds. So let me just ask you again, what would you ask Him? Like, what would you ask the one who was born of a virgin birth? What would you ask the one who walked on water? What would you ask the one who healed people, gave them their sight back, who raised people back from, the de uh, from dead, from death? What would you ask the person who actually claimed to be God in flesh? I mean, what would you ask the person who said, I am the way to heaven, to eternal life, to perfect relationship with God? This morning, we are beginning a brand new series that will take us through most of the summer months, and we're calling this series simply, Hey Jesus. Hey Jesus. We're specifically going to be looking at the questions, the many different questions that people actually asked Jesus. And just so you know, Jesus answered 113 questions in the Gospels. Now, 52 of the questions that he actually answered were questions that he actually asked himself. 
For example, if you were to look at uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says this, As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That was his question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. See, Jesus did this a lot. He responds to a question by asking a question, and then he answers the question that he just asked. I don't know if you've experienced that before, but it can be slightly annoying when you ask someone a question and they don't answer you, they respond by asking you a question in return. This is what Jesus often did in the Gospels. But this is a brilliant technique used by Jesus specifically to help get to the question behind the question. I don't know if you know this, but there is always a question behind the questions that we are asking. For example, a question that I get asked often is, Michael, would God really send someone to hell who's never heard of Jesus? What's the question behind that question? And I think the question behind that is just simply, does God care about people like I care about people? Or I get asked questions often about sexuality. And what is the question behind people's questions as it relates to sexuality? And I think it's this. Does God really love all people? Or does He only love certain types or certain kinds of people? See, my point is simply this. Questions reveal the heart of the questioner. Our questions reveal our heart. The questions we ask reveal Things like our hurts and our pains and our doubts and our fears and our frustrations and our disappointments, our concerns and our curiosity. Our questions reveal our longings and our desires. And because Jesus cares deeply about the condition of your heart, because He cares deeply about the condition of my heart, He welcomes all of our questions. Of the 113 questions that Jesus answered, again, 52, which He asked, there were 61 questions that came in from different people. There's a lot of questions that the disciples asked Jesus, and they spent every waking moment with Him. There were questions that came in just from people in the crowds. There were questions that came in from the different religious leaders of the day. Jesus fielded all sorts of questions from people coming from all sorts of different backgrounds and walks of life. And the one thing that we cannot miss as we begin this series is simply this— Jesus is bigger than your biggest question. Jesus is bigger than your biggest question, meaning there is no question that is too complex for Jesus to handle. There is no question where Jesus would respond to you by saying, I cannot believe that you're actually asking me that question. There is no question that would ever change Jesus' posture towards you. Meaning there's no question where you could ask Jesus and He'd respond by saying, I love you so much more because you asked me that. And there's no question you could ask Jesus where He would respond to you by saying, I love you so much less because you've asked me that question. Husbands, when your wife asks you the very simple question, hey, did you have a good day today? And you respond to that question by simply saying, yes. What does your one-word response to your wife communicate to her? I don't want to talk to you. 
When we respond with that one word, yes, we're communicating, I'm too tired to talk to you. When we simply respond by saying, yes, I just don't care to talk to you right now. Just so we're clear on this, Jesus never responds to people's questions like that. Jesus invites our questions because it's in our questions that we actually get to see His heart for us so that we can begin to grow in friendship with Him. Did you catch that? Jesus invites your questions. He invites my questions because it's in our questions that we actually get to see His heart for us so that we can begin to grow in friendship with Him. Even when our questions reveal that our hearts are hard or our hearts are frustrated or our hearts are just ultimately untrusting towards God, Jesus allows us to experience His heart so that we can grow in friendship with Him. As you read through the Gospels and the many different questions that people asked, you're going to see that some people asked Jesus some questions in order to mock Him, some questions to even trick Him or trip Him up. For example, in Matthew 22, there's a conversation between Jesus and the religious leaders. And it says this, when the Pharisees heard that He had silenced the Sadducees with His reply, they met together to question Him again. And one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? See, Jesus knew his intent. He knew that behind the question was they were trying to trap him, but he still answered the question for one reason. He wanted the questioner to experience his heart for him. And then there were some who asked Jesus questions in order to justify their own lifestyle and actions and behaviors. This is in Luke 10, again, another conversation with religious leaders. The man wanted to justify his actions, and so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Guess what? Jesus told this guy a story. He responded to the question by telling him a story in order to help reveal Jesus' heart for people including the one who wanted to feel justified. See, regardless of our heart condition, Jesus invites us to come to Him with all of our questions so that we might experience His heart for each of us. So what would you ask Him? What would you ask Jesus if given the opportunity to ask Him a question? And as you think about that question What does your question reveal about your heart? What is revealed about the question behind the question you're asking Jesus? Now, before we spend a better part of the summer looking at all of the questions that people asked Jesus, before we dive into our first question, I actually wanted to ask you two questions. And the two questions I want us to consider this morning are actually the very first two recorded questions that we actually have in the Bible. And these two questions are what I'll just simply call heart-revealing questions. Questions, remember, reveal the heart, but answers determine direction. Questions reveal what's going on in our heart, but our answers largely determine our direction, meaning how we choose to answer these questions posed to us largely determines the direction we live our lives. I think it's why it says this in Proverbs chapter 4, guard your heart above all else 
for it determines the course of your life. Questions reveal the heart, and the answers coming from our heart determine the direction that we live. So, two heart-revealing questions for us this morning to consider, but also two opportunities to answer, and our answers will largely determine the direction in which we live. This is the very first question. Number one, did God really say? Did God really say? This is the first recorded question we have in the story of humanity. Is Satan getting Adam and Eve to begin questioning God? If answers determine direction, well, gosh, how Adam and Eve chose to answer this question forever altered not only the direction of their lives, but ultimately the direction of humanity. This is their story in Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 2. After they were asked, did God really say, in verse 2, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or, or even touch it. If you do, you will die. This is actually so close, so close to what God said, but it's not actually what God said. If you just flip the page to Genesis chapter 2, this is what God actually said in Genesis 2, 16 through 18. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. When Eve answered the question from Satan, from God's enemy, she changed what God said ever so slightly. God never said, don't touch it. Now, I realize you might hear that, and it's like, what's the big deal? Like, what is the big deal? Well, it is a big deal, and here's why. When we begin to edit what God says for our own purposes, we'll begin to forget everything God says. When we begin to edit what God says for our own purposes, we'll begin to forget everything that God says, including the consequences of disobeying what God says. goes on in Genesis 3, verse 4, "'You won't die,' the serpent replied to the woman. "'God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil.'" I don't know about you, but it's in this moment that you just wish you could be there, screaming in their ears, don't do it. It's not worth it. Don't make the decision that you're being tempted right now to make. It is not worth it. It's in this moment that you wish you could remind them of what God had already said of them, what was already true of them. You are already like God because you were created in His image. Sadly, their answer determined the direction that they would go. In Genesis 3, verse 6, the woman was convinced. And she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. What about you? Do you find yourself editing God's word for your own purposes? You find any places or spaces in your life right now where you're ever so slightly editing God's Word for your own purposes. 
I can look at porn. I mean, seriously, what's the big deal? It's not really hurting anyone but me. I can play married with my boyfriend or my girlfriend without actually being married. It's not really impacting anyone else. I can spend my money however I want. After all, it's my money. It's I worked for it. I earned it. I deserved it. I don't actually have to forgive all people. I mean, if you really knew what people did to me, you'd understand why I have that attitude. I don't have to forgive everyone or I don't have to share my faith. Like that's only for some people, not for me. I can say whatever I want to say. After all, it's my opinion and I want other people to know my opinion and how I feel. Editing leads to forgetting and forgetting God's word led to the very first spiritual death. When we begin to edit what God says, we'll begin to forget everything that God says. And in Genesis 3, it led to the very first spiritual death. Answers determine direction. And tragically, the answer from Adam and Eve led them in a direction away from God. But the second question that humanity was faced with reveals the beauty of God's heart towards a people that actually turned away from Him. This is question number two. Where are you? This is the first question that humanity was faced with of God asking Adam and Eve this question, where are you? As soon as man walked away from God, I love this picture that God walked towards man. As soon as they walked away from him, God walked towards them. It says in Genesis 3, verse 8 through 9, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? And clearly God is not asking this question because he's somehow lost them and cannot find them. He is using this question to reveal his heart for them. I am a God who pursues I am a God who cares. I am a God who loves. I am a God who forgives. I am a God who is gracious, a God who is generous. I am a God who redeems and restores and reconciles. When I said earlier, I was not trying to over-exaggerate that questions reveal the heart. And God's heart is revealed so clearly in one powerful question. Where are you? It is such a beautiful and powerful question that reveals the heart of God that He's asking you this morning. Where are you? How would you answer this first question from God to you this morning? For me, my answer is simple, but my answer changed the direction of my life. And here's how I answer the question, I'm with Jesus. If God is asking me, Michael, where are you? My answer is so simple, but it's an answer that changed the direction of my life. I am with Jesus. See, I recognize that my sin, meaning doing what I wanted to do, it drove me so far away from God. But God walks among us in Jesus so that those who would simply say, I am with Jesus, I'm trusting Jesus, I'm trusting His life, His death, His resurrection will be with God forever. God is asking you, this is not me, God is asking you the question this morning, where are you? 
How would you answer that question? This past week, someone who I never met, but certainly was a, a spiritual hero of mine, a mentor, as it were, someone who helped me think about God, someone who helped me even understand God. His name was Ravi Zacharias, passed away this past week. And if you're familiar at all with Ravi's story, it's a story that started out so hard and so painful. He had so many questions. And all of his questions that he was asking, he was not finding any answers to the questions of just life and meaning and purpose. And in one of Ravi's final books, he reflects back on the questions that he was asking. And he says this, When still in my teens, I found myself lying in a hospital bed after an attempted suicide. The struggle for answers, when met with despair, led me along the tra- that tragic path. Now, over 50 years later, I marvel at the grace of God and am convinced that Jesus Christ alone uniquely answers the deepest questions of our hearts and our minds. It wasn't until Ravi Zacharias met Jesus, when he was able to declare, I am with Jesus, that he found life, that he found meaning, that he found purpose, and ultimately, he found friendship with God. And because he declared, I'm with Jesus, he is now in home, in in heaven, with Jesus for eternity. The question, where are you? How would you answer that? This morning, before we finish our time together, I wanted to give you just five minutes, five minutes to reflect specifically on two questions. And the two questions I want to invite all of us, whether you're by yourself this morning, if you're sitting with some friends, or if you're with your family, We're going to take five minutes, and please do not miss this moment and this opportunity to reflect on these two questions. Question number one, did God really say? What I want you to reflect on, is there any places where you are finding that you are editing God's Word for your purposes today? That's question one. And the second question I invite you to reflect on is this, where are you? Because God wants to know. God wants to know where are you today? If it's helpful, you can just take five minutes to spend some time in prayer and journal out your reflections. But we'd also invite, if you'd like to, you can journal out some of your reflections on our social channels, and you can share some of your comments or questions or reflections, whether it's on YouTube or Facebook. But we would love to hear how you are reflecting in this this morning. So we're going to take five minutes to reflect on two questions. Did God really say, and where are you?
going to invite you just to take a moment as we close out just to pray with me. Father God, I pray uh, for me and all that are watching and reflecting this morning. God, if there are any places or spaces where we are editing what you have said, God, I pray that we would turn from that, that we would repent of that. God, that we would just seek your forgiveness and receive your grace. And God, that question that you are asking to all of us, not just some of us, but all of us, of where are you? God, for those that are watching this morning and would be able to declare with confidence and joy, I'm with Jesus. And God, we celebrate that you came and walked among us so that we could experience forgiveness of sin and have peace with you, Father God, both now and throughout eternity. But God, if there is one person that is watching this morning that has yet to make that decision to declare, I'm with Jesus, God is inviting you this morning to turn to Him, to turn away from self, to turn away from sin, and simply to turn to Jesus as the way, the only way to be made right with God both now and forever. If you've never made that declaration, let that be the declaration of your heart this morning. I am with Jesus. So God, thanks for making a way. Thanks for revealing your heart to us in this question of where are you. Give us the grace and the strength and the courage by your Spirit to keep walking with you every step we take throughout this day and throughout this week. We ask that and pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for taking time on a Sunday morning to join us in our living room. I hope that you were encouraged and challenged and blessed and inspired along the way. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Uh, We would love to connect with you. And so on our website, as well as on YouTube and Facebook, uh, there's just a link that is a next step. What is the next step that you would want to take? Maybe it's the next step of, I just need some prayer. Maybe it's the next step of, I need some more conversation about this relationship with Jesus. Whatever it is, please click on that link to tell us what your next step is so we can take that next step with you. Guys, we miss you. We love you. We are thankful for the time we had today, and we look forward to joining with you in the living room next Sunday. God bless. Have a great week. Peace out.